says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. One of the things we talked about in life group this morning is that we have the opportunity to celebrate today and this week, this moment in time, when the God of all creation breaks into the creation itself. That's what we worship at Christmas. 
is far more than just a baby placed in a manger, but it is the God of all creation stepping in to the very creation he made. That's what we celebrate. Well, I'm so glad to see you here this morning as we worship. If, if you're visiting with us, my name's Zach. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you're visiting, we'd love to give you a gift on your way out uh, just to celebrate you being here today. Or if you're just visiting with family in for the weekend, um, we'd love to give you that gift as well. But we're so excited to worship together. And so at this time, we're going to move into our tithes and offerings as we continue in worship. And we have some special music being presented by some of our children. And so at this time, I'm going to pray and we'll continue in worship. Let's pray together. Father God, we do give you this time. Would you be honored and glorified? God, help us to celebrate just as we read that you are with us. God, that birth in that manger all those years ago is the reminder that you stepped into your own creation. When we had made a mess of things, when we had broken things and we were left without hope, you stepped in, robed yourself in flesh for us. And so God, be with us today as we worship. Let us make much of you and we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And we pray all this in Christ's name, amen.
Son of God and Son of Man, there before the world began, born to suffer, born to save, born to raise us from the
Well, amen and amen. It's so good to see you here this morning, just to echo uh, thank you to the band for leading us in worship this morning. And on behalf of Airline and the staff, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I know a lot of festivities going on, a lot of things going on this afternoon and tonight and tomorrow. And uh, just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas as you spend time with family and friends this week. And uh, hope that that time is blessed. Luke chapter 2, as we continue in our series on the greatest story ever told, we've, we've kind of looked at a few different things. We start off and we looked at the, the angels declaring to Mary what was going to be done and really just the unlikely message that that was. But here you had Mary who wasn't even married yet. And yet, the word comes that she's going to give birth to a son, and not only would this be a son, but that salvation would come through this son. So we saw that. Then we saw last week really the, the unlikely moments that took place, that they had everything ready to go in Nazareth, we can assume. And now all of a sudden, because of some Caesar over in Rome, they've got to go to Bethlehem. And that wasn't part of the plan. Surely that didn't fit into what they thought was going to happen or how they thought it was going to take place. And yet it was perfectly orchestrated in God's good plan. So as we continue, we're going to see a, another familiar scene with the shepherds. And what I love about this story with the shepherds is it's completely different than what we would expect it to be like if, if you've been alive in the past 20 to 30 years like we're used to seeing royal births right like anybody follow the royal family from across the pond okay my personal opinion is we fall to war i don't have to care what goes on with the royal family okay that's my personal opinion you can do without, without whatever you want to. But it's a big deal, right? The royal family is having a baby. And there's another in the line. It's just nonstop news coverage for weeks on end. The baby was born. The baby cried. The baby had to have its diaper changed. And like, it's just news coverage for hours on end. And we're used to seeing this and hearing this, that when there is a royal birth, it is newsworthy. And that there are people who then proclaim the royal birth. And this actually isn't a new phenomenon. This, even going back into Jesus' day, there were those that, of course, there wasn't TV and there wasn't news, but there, there were messengers that would go out on behalf of the royal family to declare a birth had taken place. And that, that, that was their way of getting the news out, that there was someone new in the royal line, that a birth had taken place. And so these were royal messengers. But what happened? <laughs> when it comes to the king of kings being born. There are messengers, but they're not quite the messengers 
we would expect. So Luke chapter 2, let's read through it, then we'll look at a couple of things. It says, starting in verse 8, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the, their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and was pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We give you this time. God, as we break open your word, would you speak to us? Speak to us, God, from this greatest story that's ever been told of how you broke into your own creation to save, to redeem your creation, God, that had fallen away from you. So God, speak to us today. We love you. We praise all this in Christ's name. Amen. So really, there's really two main movements we see in this text, kind of the first half and the second half. The first half is really just the report of the angels, the report of the angels. So as we left off last week, she gives birth to Christ and wraps him in swaddling clothes, lays him in a manger because there's no place for them in the end. Well, after this takes place, we see going back to verse 8, that there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, there's various different views about these shepherds and what purpose they served, whether these were just common sheep that were out grazing in the field or if these were sheep that were meant for the temple sacrifices that were to take place. The, the Scripture doesn't tell us. We're free to speculate, but we can't really iron anything down with that. So they could have been out there for a variety of purposes. But I believe the most important thing for us to understand is how shepherds were viewed. You see, we, we can kind of have a romanticized view of shepherds. Like when we think of shepherds from the Bible, we, we think of King David who's out playing his harp while tending to the flocks. Like that can be our picture of what a shepherd would have been like. But by the time Christ comes on the scene, shepherds were looked at very differently. They were generally viewed as outcast. 
They were socially out there. And, and you got, we, we got to admit, like you want to spend all your time with sheep out in the field away from people, like that doesn't ring social butterfly. It rings kind of weird, right? But that was the social stigma that was around shepherds. They were just kind of out in the field tending to their flocks. They, they were just kind of social outcast. Not only that, they were generally viewed as kind of being low-down, dirty thieves of sorts. Like it wasn't a sterling reputation to be a shepherd. They were viewed in that light. And yet, who is it that God goes to to declare the message that Christ had been born? He goes to the shepherds. And, and here's what I want us to see, what I want us to wrap our minds around, is that this is entirely consistent with everything Scripture tells us about the types of people that God uses. That God does not use the people we would most expect for him to use. God demonstrates in Old Testament and New Testament that God has this propensity to use the people we would least expect him to use. Now that's really God's specialty. Though you may look at someone and go, there is no way on earth God would use that individual. And what does God do? God uses that individual. So we see this, shepherds, they don't know what's going on. They don't know a birth had taken place. It's just another Tuesday to them. And yet they're out in the field keeping watch. It says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So again, they're just working their job. They're just in the field. They're just doing their thing. And all of a sudden, heaven breaks open. And so it's understandable. All of a sudden, an angel comes down from heaven, begins to talk to them, and the glory of the Lord is around them. I'm sure I would be afraid too. And they were filled with great fear. It says, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold. And I love what, he, what the angel says next. The angel doesn't say, fear not, I come in peace. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So you're afraid the glory of the Lord has shown up and you are afraid, but fear not. Why? Because I've got good news for you. And it's not just good news, it's with great joy. And it's for all the people that this is the gospel message. This angel literally uses the Greek term here that we would say is the gospel, the good news. He says, I have good news. 
with great joy that will be for all the people. And what is this good news? He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, we've talked before. The crazy thing about Christmas is that we we have to place ourselves in the religious context of the day. New Testament hadn't been written yet. The last Old Testament book to, to be written was 400 years prior to this. There were no prophets speaking. They thought God had grown silent. There was no word from the Lord for them in that day. And all of a sudden, heaven breaks open to say, I've got good news. A Savior has been born. You see, we read that Christmas after Christmas after Christmas after Christmas. We keep reading that. And it's just old news to us at this point. But to them, this was everything that God had spoken again. And the Savior had been born. That just as we said a couple weeks ago, this proclamation is the reminder that God had not forgot. All those years of silence, all those years of wondering what is God doing, all the years of wondering is God going to make things right, all the years of questions and doubts and concerns is answered right here. I've got good news. A Savior is born. That this is what the angels say. And so then they continue and say, and this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Just as we talked about how crazy this picture is last week. So you're, you're going to go find the baby. Is it going to be in a royal crib, angel? No. Is it going to be in the finest linen cloth diapers? No. Is it going to be waited on hand and foot by a team? You're saying a savior, a king is born, the Messiah has come. Are we going to find it in the palace? Nope. What's the sign? You're going to find it in Swaddling cloths. Okay, that, that makes sense. It's a baby. It's going to be swaddled. But you're going to find the location. You're going to find it in a food trough. It's not in the palace. It's not being waited on hand and foot by a team of nurses. In fact, you may need to step over the cow manure on the way to the manger. That's where you'll find the baby. So he says, you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And I love verse 13 and 14. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Literally this term that's used and suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of the heavenly host that, that the Greek term for host there is where we get kind of army rose from in that day. So that literally as the angel is telling them this, heaven continues to break open and there is an, angel, an army of angels standing at the precipice of glory and they just break into praise. That it's as though heaven cannot contain itself any longer. It starts to praise God for what is taking place in this moment. That heaven breaks open and the angel choir begins to sing, glory to God in the highest. And then to the earth and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. See, what the angels knew was first and foremost, this was an act, an action that merits God's glory. See, just as I said, this isn't just a normal Tuesday. I keep saying Tuesday, I don't know what day it was, but for sake of illustration, this wasn't just a normal Monday. This was God breaking into his own creation to the point where even the armies of heaven begin to break out in chorus to glorify God. And so the thing that we're celebrating tonight and tomorrow is not just another day. This is the day that God stepped into his own creation. But then second, this is a day that brings peace. Now, I know if you're like our family, preparation for Christmas may not seem like a peaceful time. It may not seem like a peaceful time at the family gathering with that one uncle that no one talks about. Everybody's got one. Everybody's got one of those family members. If you're saying you don't have one of those family members, you might be the family. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's easy to sit back and go, this is not a peaceful time of year. We're trying to buy presents. We're trying to get gifts wrapped. We're trying to plan the next party. We're trying to plan the next get-together. It's just one thing after another. But where the angels are, where the shepherds are, they hadn't known peace with God. And now all of a sudden, because of this baby that is placed in the manger, there can be peace on earth. How can there be peace on earth? Because through this baby placed in the manger, one's relationship with God can be restored. 
one's relationship with God can be redeemed. And that can be made right. So it may be hectic, it may be crazy, there may be chaos. But because of that baby born in the manger, you and I can have peace with our creator. We can have peace. So this is what the angels declare. So we see their report, but then second, we see the response of the shepherds. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. <laughs> so it happens. They hear the angels. And they didn't go, that was weird. Are the sheep good? They hear what the angels declare and they go, we've got to go check this out. It says, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So they go, they find Mary, they find Joseph, they find Christ in the manger. They begin to tell them about what had taken place, what had transpired. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now again, place yourselves in the shoes of Mary and Joseph. You're sitting there, you've just give birth to Christ, you're in the manger. And at some point through the night, a little boy comes up and decides it's a good time to play Mary a drum solo. I'm just kidding. That's gotta be my favorite Christmas song because it makes no sense. That's the last thing Mary wanted was a drum solo in the middle of that night. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes some shepherds that come running in the door. Probably smell funny. They've been out in the field with their sheep. They, they don't look the best. They've got a bad reputation. And all of a sudden, these shepherds come bursting into the door say an angel has visit, visited us. That we, we heard from heaven something about this child. And notice what it says. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The, the same Mary that was perplexed and confused when the, when the angel had spoken to her that she was going to give birth to the son is hearing this 
And when everybody else is wondering about what all this stuff means, what are the shepherds talking about? Mary is treasuring them in her heart. You see, I made mention of it earlier. One of the things that we we got to talking about in, in life group this morning is that we can get to going so fast, especially this time of year. It can be so busy that we can forget and neglect to stop and pause and ponder. Like when is the last time we read through this text and just pondered how crazy this is? When's the last time we just paused and began to treasure these things even in our own heart? How miraculous this event was of God stepping in to his own creation. You see, Mary pauses and ponders and treasures these things. It says, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So after this encounter, the shepherds leave and they're praising God. They're glorifying God. Because of everything that they had seen, they left radically different than how the night had began. These social outcasts, these thieves, these, those, these people who were, on the out, were the outliers of society are now praising God for what they had seen. And in essence, what happens is the very first messengers that God calls to proclaim the good news that Christ had been born were these shepherds. In essence, these shepherds are the first missionaries of Christ. They have proclaimed what had happened. That it wasn't a royal host that went through the streets with fancy trumpets and fancy garments proclaiming a king had been born. But it was some shepherds out in the field who were the royal messengers to proclaim a king had been born. And so this brings us to our central idea this morning. The greatest story ever told had unlikely messengers. The greatest story ever told had unlikely messengers. It was an unlikely message all the way back when the angel spoke to Mary. It was an unlikely message. And they had unlikely moments when they had to go out of their way to go to Bethlehem and all the inconveniences that took place, but yet God was perfectly at work orchestrating his plan. And lastly, it's unlikely 
messengers. That of all the people God could have chosen to declare the birth of his son, to declare the birth of a king, he chooses these shepherds who are out in the field. They weren't socially influential. They weren't wealthy. They weren't powerful. That's who he used to declare the birth of a king. And so my question for us today as the band comes back to the stage, as it comes to this Christmas time, if this is who God uses, why can't God use you? Why can't God use you to proclaim and to herald in that Christ has been born? Why can't God use you? You see, I've become convinced of this. And I say this knowing full well the irony of what I'm about to say. That, Clint, I'm convinced that the foundation of proclaiming the gospel and evangelism and discipleship is not information. It is adoration. It's not merely having more answers. It's not having more apologetic arguments in the tool belt. It comes from me being amazed by Christ. It comes from me being awestruck by Christ. That is the foundation for me to proclaim the gospel, whether it is across the street or it is across the world. The foundation is being awestruck by who Christ is and what Christ has done. You see, that's where the shepherds were. Taylor, those shepherds, they could not explain the hypostatic union. They couldn't fully parse all of that. They couldn't dialogue about the wills of Christ. But all that they knew was that a Savior had been born for them. And so they leave that glorifying and praising God for what they had seen. And what they had heard. You see, as we go into Christmas tomorrow, and what would happen if you made it a point of emphasis that you said, I want to adore Christ this Christmas? I just want to be awestruck by him. I just want to sit and I want to ponder this, that not only was Christ born, but he was born.
for me. He was born for me. That Kirk, when Christ comes and is placed in the manger, God knew full well, thousands of years down the road, all of my sin, all of my mess-ups, all of my hang-ups, every bit of that stuff. And yet Christ robes himself in flesh for me. And he robed himself in flesh for you. That God was well aware of every area in which you would fail and every area in which you would fall short and Christ is placed in the manger for that. That's worthy of our adoration. That's worthy of us being awestruck by who Christ is and what Christ has done. And then as a church, as we prepare to go into 2024, what would it look like if we were a church where we were awestruck by Christ? Do you think that would shape the way we interact with our community? Do you think that would shape the way we preach the gospel to those that are around us? Do you think that would shape the way we disciple one another if we were adoring Christ? Certainly it would. But here's the beautiful thing. It starts today. Let us adore him. And by us adoring him, the only natural response, Nelson, is to glorify him and to proclaim him. Because that adoration is going to make its way out. So as we close, if you want to come pray, this altar is open. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be standing over here. Clint will be standing on this side. But let us adore him today. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, thank you that you have come on our behalf God, help us to adore you, to make much of you, to glorify and to honor you. And God will give you all the praise. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we respond today.
seated. Um, just, a, just a couple more things before we wrap up this morning. Um, again, if you're visiting with us, we'd love to connect with you after worship, give you a gift. Um, if you'd love to connect with you, there should be a connection card somewhere in the seat back around you. Um, just fill that out and um, hand that to me after worship. And I'd uh, love to connect with you, give you that gift. I uh, do want to invite you back here tonight at 5 o'clock when we're having candlelight and communion. And so that's at 5 o'clock this, e this evening back here. Trust me, we're not going long. Um, the goal is to, to have you back out of here by 6. No people have um, family gatherings and stuff to go to, so I just encourage you to come be a part of that. It's going to be really short, sweet, simple time of worship and as we take communion together, but then celebrate by candlelight, singing a few Christmas songs as well. Um, on that note, if you are a deacon who's able to be here tonight, I just want to meet with you for like five minutes real quick. Once we dismiss, we'll meet over in the music suite. Um, just want to talk through a couple logistics for tonight. And so if you're a deacon who is able to be here, um, just come see me for about five minutes after um, we dismiss from here today. All right, one last thing that we, we want to do as a church, we, we want to be the type of church where we show honor where honor is due. And so especially when we have a, a man who has served the church faithfully for years. And so we have one of those men here today, Lewis Adams. He, as, as you can see, his entire family is around him, uh, multiple generations <laughs> sitting right there. And so we want to show honor to him today by nominating him for Deacon Emeritus. And so I'm going to ask Chip to come up and share a little bit more about that. I hope not. He has props. 
This will all make sense in a minute. Or it may not. You never know with me. Preacher, I think it's significant that you preach this morning about just the busyness that we find ourselves in. And um, to your point, sometimes we get so busy we forget to do the important things. Um, and we forget to recognize the important people that come into our lives while they're there. Um, and then suddenly they're gone and we say, well, gosh, I wish I'd have done this. And so that's why I love what we're doing this morning. Um, you know, the easiest thing in the world is to, um, I said I wasn't gonna get upset, but I probably am. This is gonna be hard. Um, the, easy, the easiest thing in the world is to honor somebody who has lived a life that is worthy of honor. That's the easiest thing in the world to do. But at the same time, the hardest thing in the world to do is honor somebody who has lived a life like Lewis Adams has lived because I am so afraid that I'm gonna leave something out. So I'm just gonna ask you guys to forgive me because I know this afternoon, I'm gonna think about this and I'm gonna go, gosh, I wish I'd have said that or I wish I'd have said this because there's so many things about this man. Um, Deborah and I have been members here at Airline for almost 50 years, maybe more. I don't know. We, uh, we stopped counting at some point. Um, but, but during that time, I, I don't know that we've had the honor of serving with anybody that, um, I mean, we, we've served with a lot of really just incredible men here. We have been blessed through our lives, men and women, couples that have modeled good Christian couples behavior for us. Um, I'm not sure that um, we've had anyone that's had as much of an impact on our lives as um, Lewis and, and Judy have. Um, you know, if I had to describe Lewis, I love you, brother. I hope you know that. If I had to describe Lewis in a few words, and I am not a man of few words, I'm sorry, um, but if I had to, I'd just simply say he's a good man. You know, somebody say, tell me about Lewis Adams. Well, he's a good man. Um, and, I, and I think when you say that, when you say he's a good man, you, you kind of conjure up this, this mental image in your mind. You, you think, well, what, what is a good man? You know, what, what is that, how does that play out in my mind? Um, you know, we, we might decide to use the standards that um, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 3, where he says that, uh, you know, when he described an overseer, he said a good man is, uh, or an overseer is above reproach. He's faithful to his wife. He's temperate. He's self-controlled. He's respectable, hospitable. He must have a good reputation with outsiders. I mean, every one of those things describes this man. A good man follows God's leading. Um, Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Here's what I know about a good man because I've seen it modeled in Lewis Adams' life. A, a good man does not allow himself to be led by circumstances. He doesn't allow himself to be led by other people or even by his own feelings. He allows God to be in control of his life. 
And, and allowing God to lead your life doesn't just happen. It, it's not just a one-time thing. It's not just an event that you go, okay, I did that. Um, nor is it something that you just occasionally do. It, it's a lifestyle. It is a life that is well-lived. Um, every one of us has a choice. Every one of us chooses what standard we're going to allow ourselves to be measured against. Um, Lewis chose God's standard. That was a decision that he made a long time ago. So, a little bit of background on Lewis, if y'all don't already know this. Um, Lewis's parents were Jim and M.A. Adams. He grew up at 7 Tower Street in New Holland. Um, so I guess that makes him a lint head. Some of you may know what that means. I definitely do, because I was a lint head. I didn't grow up in New Holland, but I worked in that mill. Um, Lewis joined the Army at a, at a young age, and he served in the local reserve unit in Gainesville. Um, he also worked at New Holland Mill. I mean, if you lived in New Holland, you were going to eventually work in that mill. But he, he worked in New Holland Mill until the mid-60s, and then he went to work with Georgia Power as a lineman, and later he was um, in substation construction. Um, Lewis worked for about 32 years for Georgia Power and another five years as a contractor. Um, Lewis met his wife, Judy, um, back in the 1950s at East Hall High School. I guess that Kirk makes them high school sweethearts, right? Um, they graduated in 1960. They were married in 1961. Thank goodness for us. Um, they were married for 60 years, and they served the Lord together. Let me stop there. They serve the Lord together. I refuse to speak in past tense because a couple like that, they live on forever in one another. You don't ever stop. Um, they love traveling together. They made trips to favorite places, the beach, the mountains. They have a deep, lasting love. For their kids, their grandkids, their great-grandkids. But most importantly, they love the Lord. Um, Y'all may not know this, the last several years um, before Judy passed away, they had a project to read the Bible every year. And they read through the Bible every year. And ironically enough, just prior to her passing in December of 2021, they had just finished reading through the Bible. That's what they, that's what they did. That's what they do. Um, they are such a wonderful team, and they're such an inspiration to all the young couples like Deborah and I. Um, when they came here in 1982, we immediately fell in love with them. Um, it was Lewis and Judy, Kurt, Beth. Judy said that Deborah and I, Deborah and I were working with the youth at the time. Judy had a letter in her Bible that she said that Deborah and I sent her after they came here with their first visit, just absolutely gushing over how fantastic it was that they came and visited and how thrilled we were with the prospects of having Kirk and Beth here with our youth. Um, I remember writing that about Beth. Um, <laughs> but anyway, they, they came here in 82, and um, Lewis was ordained as a deacon in the 1960s, but, but when he came here to airline, he just immediately 
started serving. Um, he worked for many, many years in our church kitchen on Wednesday nights, uh, helping to prepare the Wednesday night meals. Um, Lewis's specialty was slaw production. Um, and you know, you know what? Good slaw covers a multitude of cooking uh, sins, I'll just tell you. <laughs> so he may have saved many a Wednesday night meal. Um, I do have a second page under here. You know, the thing that's always struck me is Lewis is a true servant to others. Absolutely. Um, he has made an uncountable number of visits to people while serving as a deacon. I don't know if uncountable is a word or not. If it's not, you can send your emails to Zach Johnson at airline.org next week. Um, but I mean, you, you can't even you can't even enumerate the, the, the people that he has visited, and um, he still tries to get out and see people. Um, he, this was the thing about Lewis. Lewis always wants to let people know that they're important and they're missed, especially when they're shut in or they're sick. Um, Lewis is a true handyman. Um, this is what this is about. And, and he used these talents to serve. And I'll tell you, between his woodworking skills and Judy's homemade crafts and cookies and jellies, I can't tell you how many families they've blessed over the years um, in their life together. Um, Lewis has built so many of these wooden trucks. Um, Um, he built flatbed trucks. He built logging trucks. Um, I was carrying this truck out here today, and Maddie walked by and looked, and she said, my brother's got a truck just like that. Guess where it came from? Um, Lewis built a truck almost 40 years ago for my son. Um, he built another truck for my grandson. I, I think he's built a couple of churches. Um, for some people. The other thing is that this chair, um, Lewis built this chair about 35 years ago for Brittany, for my daughter. It's a pouting chair. It got a lot of use 35 years ago. Um, but, but this chair, and Judy painted this chair. Judy did the design on it. So, the, so together, they gifted us this chair. If you've ever been in our house, the main part of our house is about 980 square feet. It's a living room. It's a kitchen. It's a dining area. That's the, the center part of our house. And that's where we live about 99% of our life. This thing sits right in the middle of it. And our grandkids still sit in it. It just, it's there. It's a constant reminder of a couple of wonderful people who have served God their entire lives. I mean, it's literally a centerpiece for our house. Um, Lewis has probably given away a thousand pounds of peppermint candies to everyone that ever crossed his path. Um, and, and his life has just been all about showing love and kindness to others. And, and even now, Lewis continues to be just a steady, solid fixture here every Sunday morning as he makes his way around the church. 
around the sanctuary to greet and to welcome everyone whose path he crosses. Um, Lewis Adams is a good man. And he's also one of the most significant men in my life and the lives of many others. He's a friend, he's a mentor, he's a hero. Um, he's loved and served this church for over 40 years and today we want to honor him and we want to thank him and I personally want to thank you you made mine and Deborah's life better and our kids lives better by being in it and there's no doubt in my mind that God looks at you right now and says Lewis I am well pleased so we have this um this is heavy. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and read what it says, if that's okay. Um, it says, Lewis Adams, Deacon Emeritus, with love we honor you, December 24th, 2023, Airline Baptist Church. And it has a scripture passage on it, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. That says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Thank you, Lewis, for your faithful service to us and to your church. We love you. I'd like to ask family to come up here if they would, please. Come on up, Lewis. Stand right, stand right here in the middle. And so with this, as, as I mentioned, we're nominating Lewis for Deacon Emeritus. Uh, I don't think this will be a, an issue, but church, if you affirm this decision, would you just let us know by putting your hands together? And so as, as you can see, we, we decided to do this today. They have a lot of, lot of family, a lot of moving pieces, and we, we wanted to be able to honor Lewis with his family here and present, and so that's why, that's why we chose today. Um, but here's how we're going to dismiss. We're, we take some time, we're going to pray um, over Lewis and his family, and then we'll be dismissed. And just want to encourage you, they're going to hang out up here for a few minutes. On your way out, just come by, let Lewis know you appreciate him. Thank you for his service and his time here at Airline, um, and just, just to show honor where honor is due. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you. And God, I just thank you for a man like Lewis. God, thank you for his heart. God, thank you for, uh, God, just the, the smile that's on his face. And God, just his, his attitude every time I see him, God, he's such a joy to be around. Thank you for just these years of service, God, that he's given to you and to your church. So God, would you bless him. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to honor and to show honor to a man that served you. So God, we give you all the praise. We love you. 
We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.